0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of Compound Interests. I am your host, John Najarian, or Dr. J, and I am delighted to bring you my performance coach, uh, Wendy. Uh, That is the name we're going to be calling her because she is a performance coach coach. And I think the more that you get to know her, the more you'll understand why she would rather remain somewhat anonymous um, given some of the clients that she's got, most of which she probably won't name, uh, I would say. Um, Let me give you a little background, by the way, folks, on Wendy. Um, As a professional coach, mediator, and facilitator, Wendy provides customized support solutions to a wide range of diverse and influential individuals and families. Um, With her assistance and guidance, clients have been able to successfully navigate complex challenges and circumstances, both professional and personal, while increasing their capacity to lead with greater impact and influence. Some of the key areas where I've found she is most helpful are relationship management, post and pre-liquidity event, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) complex divorce situations, (laughs) critical illness diagnosis, leadership development. Her approach is highly personalized, and she holds client confidentiality in the highest regard. I know that personally, and I know all of her other clients expect that. So with that, I'm going to introduce you all to Wendy. Wendy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, John, I'm so excited to be here with you. We've been talking about this for a minute, so I'm excited to dive in.
0: Oh yeah, well, we, and we, we've talked about it since we met uh, about two years ago. Um, yeah. I think we're coming up on the two year anniversary of when we uh, started talking and then saying, well, if you can help me, maybe, maybe there's other people <laughs> out there that yeah. you can help as well. And she's certainly been doing that folks for years so if you wouldn't mind, Wendy, even though I gave you a little introduction there, yeah. please tell us about your background, how you got yeah. started in this, how yeah. long you've been doing it. And yeah. you've already told us a little bit of the sort of problems some people have, but mm-hmm. anything that's not confidential about clients or just drop their names and tell us their problems.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, John. And thank you for the opportunity. I I always appreciate you and your thoughtfulness and willingness to really help others. And I think, you know, that kind of starts my journey. I've been in this work, I say, since I was born professionally for over a decade. Um, But, you know, growing up, I'm I'm a New Yorker. I think I can say that. Uh, Mm I grew up in Long Island and uh, you know, I say life, life kind of throws interesting opportunities and challenges at us. And for me, um, growing up, my mom was sick and passed away from breast cancer. And going through that experience was super tough. It was over a six-year period of time. And in that time, I recognized that going through something super tough um, was, you know, I felt incredibly isolated alone, all the hard feelings, but I had an incredible support system within my family unit. And that was kind of the start of my awareness to private support and the power within that and how when you have good support, you can navigate adversity challenges and optimize your performance um, from much more functional and stable and ultimately um, optimized place. And so I look at that experience and the support I had and recognize that it was totally transformative and so over the years, I found that I always was that person for people and uh, desired to, to build some skills around that. And so became a mediator where I specialize in conflict resolution. A lot of my work is helping people navigate through different conflicts, um, whether it's within themselves or people in their family unit or in their professional worlds. Um, and also a coach. Uh, I love the coaching framework and methodology. I find it really um, action oriented which a lot of my folks they love to take action they're you know invested in their own development and learning and and pushing the edge on their own performance and really I spend a lot of time talking with people and identifying and getting incredibly clear about what that is and how to accomplish that and who they need in their ecosystem in order to do that so yeah that's a little bit about my work Um, I love people I love to help people and I'm, I'm just really excited to be here with you and hopefully share some information that can be helpful
0: all right. Well, yeah. um, and folks, what I can say about Wendy, as I said, I'm going to respect her anonymity, um, is that we met out at Anthony Scaramucci's um, SALT conference in Las Vegas. Um, that conference draws some of the biggest folks in hedge funds, um, family offices, um, alternative investments of all flavors. And I'm sure the next one, um, and you know, knock on wood, Wendy, fingers crossed. He'll ask us both to speak at the next one, too. <laughs> <be> um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I was out there for a crypto panel uh, that I was moderating last time. And then Wendy and I met and I just want to more or less kick it off. if It's OK with you, Wendy, asking you the same question that I asked you the first time we met, um, oh. which was, why is it that uh, no matter how good a winning trade feels. Mm. Why is it that a losing trade feels worse? Because Mm. this is something I posed to Wendy folks as soon as we met. um, And then her answer to that really kind of got me going into the space where, okay, I need to keep a journal. I need to talk to (laughs) Wendy more often. So why does that losing trade hurt worse, even if it's the same dollars? Why does Uh the losing trade hurt worse than the winning trade feels great.
1: Yeah, I remember that. Um, Well, I think we kind of dove into, you know, uh, you know, that's a sticky feeling, right? When you're used to winning all the time, you know, fear sticks and uh, you know, as you say, loss sticks. And then we kind of talked about, well, who chooses that meeting? Who's the decision maker here? And it's you. And I think we talked about, well, this can be a, a learning experience versus something you need to get stuck in and how do you move through it quickly? How do you shift your thoughts? And then how do you learn and develop skills to kind of proactively, again, hedge against that in the future? Um, and so I think that's kind of what we we dove into is how is this a learning experience, not a loss? And how do you integrate that into your performance moving forward?
0: Yeah. And um, I, I think you also mentioned something about um, it's got to feel worse, John, because it's, it's nature's way of teaching you not to do that again. Yes, yes, I mean, yes. We're we all going to make mistakes. Hands all, on the
1: stove. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I mean, and uh, you know, certainly, for instance, Wendy, uh, there were uh, people that reached out to me today when I posted up on Twitter. Hey, send your questions to me. Oh, yeah. um, send them to Wendy, and we'll answer them here on the show. And yeah. one of the questions was, you know, from some young trader who was saying. God, I just had my worst week ever. Yeah. Uh, this trader was saying uh, that that he, at least his avatar was a he, so I'll say he, yeah. you can't tell on Twitter otherwise. <laughs> um, but at least the person was saying, um, I had my reddest week ever, which I took to mean you know my biggest loss ever. Yeah. And how do you deal with that, John? Um, and I said, Wendy, that uh, uh, I once had on my birthday 30 years ago, Um, I lost a million dollars that day. And 30 years ago, a million was a real amount of money. (laughs) Uh, It's not like it is today. Um, So uh, it really hurt. Um, And yet um, I had to go on TV. It wasn't CNBC at that time, um, Mm -hmm. but I had to go on TV that night. um, And we lost the money right at the close. We lost it uh, right at the very close, we found out that one of the stocks we were trading uh, that we were a specialist in um, fell out of bed in the after hours. So it was in the after hours that uh, just, you know, maybe an hour or 45 minutes before I needed to go on TV that we lost a million bucks. And like I say, it was my birthday. So that's a heck of a birthday present getting kicked in the teeth like that. But I said, it's... uh, I'm not saying you always have to learn from it, although I did. Um, yeah. But I, I I told that young trader, it's how much you get up and how fast you get up after that. Do you just want to yeah. wallow in it? Or do you want to, you know, get back into it and say, you know, I'm a lot better than that. I'm going to yeah. get this money. And we ended up making that back in two weeks, um, yeah. which, again, uh, is, is great, but not everybody can do that. I realize that. Not everybody could stand a million dollar loss either. And for some people, that's just the interest on the money they make or lose in a day. Yeah. Um, but I remember, like I say, when you said, Wendy, well, John, that's like being trained to not make that mistake again. I think at that time, you use some sort of description like this. At least this is what I've made yeah, my yeah. Wendy's yeah. Wendy statement about it. <laughs> and that was... Um, Well, let's say you're a wolf and you're out Mm -hmm. hunting um, Mm -hmm. and you're the alpha. And so you're leading the pack and you're ahead of the pack and you're out there looking for a good hunting ground and you find a good hunting ground. You take down a big elk or whatever it is Mm -hmm. um, and everybody eats well, but you eat first because you're the alpha. So everybody's coming around nuzzling you and sniffing you and licking you and all the rest because... You know they're they're giving you deference, they're giving you love because you're the alpha that did that, that brought food for the for the whole uh, uh, that pod of wolves or whatever it is. Yeah. And on the other hand, you said so that's why it feels good because it feels good to get acknowledged by your yeah. peers and so forth. Um, on the other hand, when you lose, that's like that wolf wanders into the wrong territory and all of a sudden he smells the marking of another wolf or another wolf pack. Mm-hmm. And he knows he can't make that mistake again because if he's the lone wolf out there and there's a pack of wolves, he'll get torn to shreds. Mm-hmm. So that's letting him know that you know next time, there might not be a next time. Don't make that mistake. Don't go there because that's another wolf's territory. Um, and that really stuck with me, Wendy, as far as, yeah, I guess it has to hurt. If it didn't hurt, um, then you just willy nilly throw money at all kinds of things. And until you have some of those losses, then you realize I gotta be more disciplined. I gotta cut these losses and yeah. let the winners run and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, well, I think you spoke to that beautifully. I love your recollection of that. That's You're pretty <laughs> on it, John, your memory is good. Um, You know, it's the integration of that. How do you recover? How do you integrate that learning? What's the result of that, and what does that compound within you? Is it that you're going to be more equipped and better, you know, attuned to certain things that perhaps you know um, led up to that mistake? And a lot of it, right, is dissecting it. Like we could go back to that that instance for you and kind of really deep dive into that and. Um, glean some important insights about you personally, about kind of the industry as a whole, whatever industry you're in, specifically trading in this case, um, and then choose to recover thoughtfully and intentionally and to stay committed and to move forward. Um, but you get to choose which way you move forward and how you want to be resourced and supported. And again, um, I think it goes back to, you know, John, who did you talk to that day? Like when you had that happen and you were sitting in that, what, what did you do?
0: Um, well, um, it actually was, uh, like I say, right at the end of the day, Wendy, right. and, um, uh, at, uh, these traders came up off the floor and we sat there, we rehashed it then. Okay. H- well, how did this happen? Yeah. Um, because it wasn't me, it was my traders. Um, but that's my money. <laughs> like you process so, it
1: though, right. Yeah, you cycle exactly. the information, right. You didn't right. keep it inside and let it like, I look at it like poison, right? Like, did you get it out of you or did you keep it in you, right? Mm-hmm. You processed it out and you made something better with it.
0: Yeah. yeah. And in fact, um, ultimately, Wendy, it ended up being a godsend. Yeah. Um, not that losing always has to be that, but in this case, what we did was I said, okay, so as we examined it, we figured out that we lost the bulk of the money from something that happened in the final 10 or 15 minutes of trading, which we would never let happen again. And that was that uh, somebody big, a big Wall Street investment bank that I won't mention, uh, even their initials, but it might begin with the letter (laughs) G, (laughs) but um, they came in and bought an awful lot of uh, a put option, which is insurance. And as soon as the news came out, the stock fell dramatically, that insurance became worth a lot of money. And we had sold that insurance. So it'd be like if you insured a car and it smashed into a wall, you know, you you're on the hook for it if you're Geico and Warren Buffett, but yeah. he's spread out over millions of cars right. that are on the road. Yeah. Um, you know, the very nature of uh, car insurance um, is or life insurance is that You've got actuarial tables. You know, there's going to be a certain amount of crashes, certain amount of deaths. But if you spread it across the country, you don't want to be all in Southern Florida, you know, and have a hurricane hit. You don't want to be in California and have an earthquake hit. But if you have some in California, some in Florida, and the rest spread across the country, you're hoping that there's not going to be one natural disaster that's going to hit them all. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, in this case, it, it hit that one stock. And then what we developed from that, Wendy, like I say, doesn't always work this way, but we created our heat seeker uh, algorithm based on how that paper, that buying came in at the late part of the day. If somebody comes in late in the day with a bunch of calls to buy, I bet you nine times out of 10, that stock is zooming the next day. And if they come in with a bunch of insurance to buy, that stock is going to crash the next day. Somebody thinks they have tomorrow's newspaper today. So we built algorithms to find that uh, and to tip us off that somebody was doing that in any of the stocks, not just the few stocks, 60 or 70 stocks that we were the specialist in.
1: Yeah. So you you process the information, you learn from it, you integrated it and you acted on it. And and I'd be curious to know what the ROI on that has been. I'm going to make an a guess that it's more than you lost.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it is. (laughs) Multiples. But like I say, I can't say to every single loss that I've taken that we've been able to come up with something like that. But I will bet that an awful lot of things, like even, for instance, Facebook. Why -hmm. did the Winklevoss twins come up with Facebook? It wasn't a loss, but it was, wow, wouldn't it be cool if this existed? Because it doesn't exist, at least at that time. A picture book. And I think that's why they ended up I think they at first called it picture book where all the people at Harvard, you know, their pictures were in there so you could put a name to the face that you see walking in the quad and all that kind of stuff. And then they figured out, you know what, maybe other campuses would like this too. And maybe people that aren't on campuses would like this and then ultimately use it for sharing information and all the rest. But I bet a lot of these sorts of things do come from somebody saying, God, I wish this was out there. Even if it's not, and then some of them are smart enough uh, and entrepreneurial enough to invent it or create it.
1: Yeah, right. Like it highlights a need or a problem, and then you know, if you can focus on solutioning it in a way that also is um, applicable to you know a wide range of people. In this case, you know, the world essentially. <laughs> um, there's significance there. But two things that like you know, when when this happens is gratitude. You talked about how you were in gratitude for the experience and how um, you could learn from it. And then looking at what's the opportunity here. That's a question to ask yourself. And I believe in asking it out loud. I believe in writing it down. I believe in asking it to trusted advisors or friends. This happened. What do you see as the opportunity? What do I see as the opportunity? Be in discussion about what's next and move forward because that forward momentum will then start to put you in a better headspace and ultimately a better heart space around how to rebuild your confidence, get back in the game and start performing you know, in the best way that you know you can, which you know, for a lot of these folks out there, they have an incredible set of skills in their hands. And it's about how you continue to move forward with them and learn how to be better.
0: Well, uh, great advice there. Um, the very first episode of Billions. Um, of course, I have to mention Billions folks because <laughs> Wendy is the uh, uh, performance coach for Bobby Axelrod and his team on Billions, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, a fictional uh, group of hedge fund traders? But nonetheless, um, they have this uh, Wendy that is a, a, an MD as well as a, um, a coach, a motivator, and in that first uh, episode, Wendy. Um, there's a trader sitting down with that Wendy on the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Damian Lewis, one of his big traders, is having a mental block, and he's not trading well. Yeah. Um, surely you have had to deal with traders like that. Mm-hmm. In this case, you know she tried to examine him and say, make him actually examine himself. And I wonder how often you have to do that. You're really just mm-hmm. turning it back on the person who's yeah. sitting on the chair, laying on the couch, on the phone, whatever it might be, <laughs> on the Zoom call, <laughs> you're, you're basically probably throwing it back to them. Well, why do you think that you have this problem? You know, why, why do you think you're a loser now? Um, you know, you've got this however many year history of killing it, why are you not killing it now? What's not right in your head? Do you draw it out that way?
1: Yeah. I mean, I have a very integrated practice where I use a variety of approaches, but you know, I kind of use the theme of bring it back to what matters and know who you are. And so for me, a really big part of working with clients and the way that I do is knowing who they are, what they stand for, what their principles are, what their values are, what their goals are, um, and bringing it back to a place of alignment there. Um, and then what matters? What matters as you move forward from this? What matters is that you get back to doing what you need to be doing to to change this, to correct this, to fix this, or in some cases asking for some help and support. I'm a huge, huge um, proponent of people asking for help, reaching out to others. Um, I think this world is built on so many people that are willing to be helpful. John, you are one of those people in this community. I've seen you do it multiple, multiple times, and I'm I'm always just grateful to know that you exist in the world because of that and your generosity behind that, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say that, now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, I think it's being dynamic and flexible and, you know, I love the word doing a bit of an experiment for yourself, tapping on different things to see what works. Um, and I, again, I'm in a privileged place where people are brutally honest with me about a variety of things. Um, and through that, I get to know my clients really well and I can, you know, fortunately bring them back to that place of alignment a little bit quicker. Um, but also try and train them and put skills in them so that they can do it independently as well.
0: Well, and th- that's great. Um, I love hearing that, um, and I don't just mean the compliment. Uh, I loved <laughs> hearing that too. Um, but uh, when when somebody is out of alignment mm. um, and they don't realize that maybe um, it's because they're on the edge, maybe mm. they're out of alignment because they've, maybe they haven't crossed a line, Wendy, in terms of trading. They're not trading on insider information or something like that, but they're in the gray area. They're in an area where they maybe aren't as comfortable. Um, And as they describe maybe what some of those areas are, and it might not all be about trading. Maybe it's about how they're treating their husband or their wife or their kids, and it's causing them you know, mental anguish, because I can remember times when I've had disagreements with any of those, my wife, my kids. Um, and if I said something harsh, or did something, um, that it's like, it's dragging me down during the yeah. day, you know, as much as I try to put the uh, blinders on when I'm trading. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, if like you say, if if you're not aligned, it can be pulling you one way or the other, and yeah. really affecting you. Uh, And keeping you from being effective. Yeah. um, How do you get them back in line?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And it reminds me of a conversation I think we had about something once. um, And you can tell me if it sparks your memory. Uh, Okay. (laughs) But what comes to my mind first is to be honest about it and honor it. um, And resource it in whatever way that looks like. And be intentional about how you're engaging with it. And so an example would be people are having things go on in their personal life, or even with someone in their professional life that I say is a pull. It's pulling you away from your focus on what on what's in front of you. And so a lot of the time, it's just knowing when, where, and how. So when, where, and how you're going to deal with something. And so knowing that you're going to, at three o'clock, you're going to engage with that um, bit of information. And you could do it with support, with a friend, with a colleague independently. So for example, if you know that there's a, you know, you're having a disagreement with your wife and it's weighing on you. Part of it could be acknowledgement. Hey, hey, hon, I know that we're not in a good place right now. And I want to talk with you about this. Can we set a time? Set the time. Get something done. Close a loop to an extent. And then you can reopen it. But I think as we've talked about it, it's thoughtfully and intentionally compartmentalizing these things and recognizing when you do need some support or to have a conversation about it so you can enter it in enter into that dialogue um, more thoughtfully and aligned and also and especially in business strategically, you and I know this, thinking about and processing through how you wanna approach certain incredibly important conversations is, is valuable um, and it's helpful. And a little, uh, I can give people a little framework that I use that I, I hope is helpful, which is what do you wanna be clear about? What do you wanna be curious about? Huge myths I see often is people know what they wanna say but they don't know what they wanna be curious about for the other person, which is so much good information. And then how do you wanna show up in that interaction? Who do you want to be sitting at the table? What's the energy you wanna bring? How do you wanna feel? What experience do you wanna create with the other person? And I would write them out, I would think it through, but clear, curious and how you wanna show up. If you can nail that and you can think through that, uh, I think that that would be helpful.
0: All right, well, what about one more then? Um, it, was in, it was in your bio, um, some of which I had to leave out, of course. Uh, but um, as far as I know, one of the number one things about traders, well, num- one of the number one things is luck. Um, yeah. Because traders are big believers in luck. If yeah. I would have only not been at the computer for those five minutes, the stock would have ran, and I would have come into the room, and the stock would be twenty percent higher, and I'm getting out at that level, not this level, and so forth and so on. Traders believe that there's luck. Some of us won't trade the number thirteen,
1: <laughs> for instance. I've <laughs> got my numbers too, so I, I you know, what, I'm with you guys.
0: <laughs> well, um, the other thing is Wendy that uh, I mean, in your bio, it, yeah. you, you talked about. Uh, helping people negotiate through divorce and things like that. Now, knock on wood, that's not my problem. But if there is a trader that has that, man, we put them in a box. Um, I don't treat them differently, but we put a lot of eyes on that trader Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: inevitably they're gonna try to make back what they think they're gonna lose in the divorce right away. And that dog doesn't hunt. Um, As I described already, whatever I lost on that day 30 years ago, it took us weeks to get it back and we did get it back. And then ultimately things got a lot better, but I didn't try to make it back the next day. If it it takes somebody, you know, uh, 10 years of trading to make this enough money that now he doesn't love his wife anymore. She wants to ditch this loser that now is a very rich loser. it's going to weigh on them. He or she is going to want to win all that money back right away. So, like I say, um, if it's one of our traders, we always put a lot of eyes on them. We put, you know, without them knowing it, a lot more restrictions on their account, so because we're worried that they're going to try to roll the dice. And trading's not about rolling the dice. It's about moving the odds into your favor, trading within your comfort zone, making money, cutting losses. But yeah what kind of um, situations have you been involved in with a divorce where they're just so damned and determined to hurt the other person that they're willing to basically risk everything, their business, Mm. um, their other relationships, their relationship with their family and all that. They put it all up just to try to hurt the other person, it seems.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for asking. I mean, that's, That's a complex topic and it's, you know, (laughs) in its broad nature, it's absolutely unique to everybody. And, you know, I always go back to take care of yourself. What does that really look like? And and for me, as you know, you know, resource up, you know, when you're going through a different change or transition in your life, get a team around you, you know, support yourself, Um, honor the experience. And I think with me, what I provide is kind of invisible permission slips for people to be human in these human experiences. And, you know, going to a place where I always say, you know, one of the things someone told me once was the biggest value I get with you is that I can say something and it can mean absolutely everything or absolutely nothing. And I get to choose and I get to change it. And so when you're going through some of these situations, I You're going to go through various cycles of thoughts and feelings and trying to make decisions. And I think it goes back to that place of bringing it back to what matters and staying true to who you are. Where am I getting pulled from the person I know I am? And you know, when I look someone in the eyes, I know when they're acting out of alignment with who they are. And another kind of question I pose to people is in service of what, at the cost of what? And I look at two categories, ROI and ROH. I think we all are familiar with the ROI category, especially Mm -hmm. uh, in this conversation and also the ROH, which is return on happiness and heartbeats. You know, if I were to, if we were to look back at this experience and you were, have spent exponentially more time, you know, in an uneasy, unresourced, challenged heart space, would it? would you pay to not go through that more or less than what you're what you're fighting for And usually most people will always say oh I would have just spent 20 with way more to not have to go through that.
0: Mm-hmm. Peace
1: of mind matters it's valuable And so a lot of the times it's getting people to a place of understanding you know where can we find peace like where's the meeting place of peace in the situation and also how do you thoughtfully communicate um, with your spouse, with your children um, how do you, you know, navigate the different social kind of impacts um, that this may have or be kind of stewing around. I mean, there's so many parts of this. And, and because I've had the opportunity to walk many people through that, um, we can be really thoughtful, really intentional about uh, the conversations, communications, and ultimately results of this, of this change in people's life, which is not uncommon. So uh, it's an opportunity to restructure and realign with yourself and with your family, um, but it's possible and you can do it really, really well. That's the other thing I want to really put out there is I've seen people have an actually really incredible experience of honoring themselves and their families through this process and doing it with integrity and honesty and creating a new relationship with each other that's beneficial and healthy. So I think resource up, have a good community, have people that will tell you the truth, Um, I know, John, you'd you'd go up to someone and say, take the day off, get yourself some support. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's why people like me exist in the world. I mean, and there's a whole variety and spectrum of, of what that type of support can look like. So I would also say to get curious about that. You know, look online if you want to be anonymous, talk to people in your kind of trusted network. Hey, I'm, you know, approaching this, you know, change in my life and I want to look at ways to support myself through it. Now we think about every day, John, what do you do to support yourself every day to stay well in trading? You work out, you hydrate, you eat well, mm-hmm. you do a ton of stuff, right? You yep. keep your, your headspace clean, clear, and focused. Um, yeah, it's just kind of maintaining that program and just you have a new subject you have to take care of.
0: Great advice, Wendy. Great advice. Um, folks, uh, we have been speaking back and forth, Wendy and I, about ways that you can be a better human. Also, for those of you who are traders, perhaps ways that you can put some of the blocks, remove them and or um, make you uh, a happier person, which will probably mean you'll be a better trader as well. (laughs) Uh, Wendy, thank you for everything you've offered today.
1: Thank you, John. It's such a pleasure being here with you.
0: Thank you. And folks, um, we are going to be repeating this. It's not a one and done. So if you'd like to submit questions to us, uh, you can just follow my Twitter account. I've linked up with uh, an account for Wendy and you could shoot us some questions. We'd be happy to address them here on the show. Uh, We'll even uh, send people that we answer your question. We'll put you in the running for one of these (laughs) nifty beanies. (laughs) Trade like a rebel. um, Hats. Uh, And... But seriously, uh, make sure you follow the Twitter accounts, send us your questions and it'll make the show better and better. And we look forward to uh, going back and forth with these uh, discussions uh, on a weekly basis. So thank you very much for listening. We hope you tune in next week.